Well, turn with me uh, this morning to Romans chapter 10. We'll start there. Romans chapter 10. In Romans chapter 10, I would just like to read the, the first verse this morning. The Apostle Paul says this, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, that is for Israel, is that they may be saved. Once again, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Uh, we will... Uh, shortly return to our uh, normal consecutive exposition through books of the Bible. Um, but for now, we'll be in various passages this morning. And I want to I wrap up uh, these weeks that we've been talking about prayer and sort of launch into uh, this season of Thanksgiving and Christmas by thinking about the subject of evangelistic prayer. And I hope that the word evangelistic or evangelism isn't a new, a new term for you, but, but if it is, it just has to do with the evangel. That clears it up, right? It has to do with the good news. Um, it, it's simply sharing the good news. Evangelism is taking the good news, and specifically the good news about Jesus, His death for sinners, His resurrection, the salvation that's available through Him, taking that good news and sharing it. And so when I speak of evangelistic prayer, I'm talking about prayer that aims at having others hear and believe the good news about Jesus. Why now? Why would we talk about this now, this time of, of year? Well, I have several reasons. One, um, you're going to have more conversations over the next few weeks uh, than probably you've had all year. Uh, you're going to have uh, meals, you're going to have parties, you're going to sit down with folks and actually open your mouth and speak. I hope. Don't do this. Don't do this at the table, please. Put your phones away. You're going to have conversations, so you're going to have opportunities to speak the gospel. You're going to see people who live far away, who you don't see that often. Or people who do live around here, but they're just otherwise too busy. Um, you're going to have opportunities to speak to them. Also, through this time of year, at least from my own observation, people are more open to speaking about spiritual things. It's amazing to me, especially getting into Christmas time, how much theology actually gets aired in the grocery store. Um, and on television even. One of our favorite movies to watch at home is The Grinch. Uh, we like the old one, but we particularly like the, the newer one by Illumination. Uh, and there's a, a scene in that movie where the, the chorus is singing, God rest you merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. For Jesus Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we had gone astray. Old tidings of comfort and joy. And you hear that and you think, these people have no clue clue what they're saying. They have no clue that they have just proclaimed the gospel with Illumination's money. Praise God for it. So through this season of Christmas, you're going to hear things like that. And you know what? In conversation, you could just hear a song on the radio and say, what do you think about that? What do you think about what they just said? And so people are, are more open to talking about these things and you have more opportunity just because of the content that's being put in front of us uh, through this season. 
Spiritual topics can be brought up more easily, and quite frankly, you just need to be having gospel conversations, regardless of the season. And so that's why I'm talking about this now. But why at the conclusion of a series on prayer? Why would we tie it in that way? Well, one, I can't save people. You can't save people. Uh, you can share the gospel. You can tell people what the Bible says. And you should. It's what you're called to do. But you can't touch a person's heart. You can't change their affections. You can't make them love Jesus. But God can. The Holy Spirit can. And so prayer is that means by which we lay hold of God and implore Him to do what we cannot do. We seek after God and ask Him to save sinners. So looking here at this verse we just read in Romans chapter 10, verse 1, Paul's prayer, Paul's desire for Israel is that they may be saved. Now Paul was an evangelist. Paul was a missionary. He preached the gospel faithfully, but he didn't do it out of mere duty. He did it because there was something within him that burned after lost souls. There was some passion that he had for the name of God and a concern that he had for sinners. And the two of those things together made him the evangelist, the missionary that he was. And his prayer in this particular passage was for Israel. And so I'd simply just like to ask you this, who specifically are you praying for right now that God will save them? Now we can pray generally for the lost, and we should. God save the lost, in Jesus' name, amen. We can pray that prayer, it's fine. But what lost person is in your family? What lost person do you work with? What lost person do you know who needs to be born again and that you are seeking the Lord and asking Him to save. Is there someone whom you can put in this verse and say it for yourself, my heart's desire, my prayer to God is that my brother, my neighbor, my co-worker will be saved. Who is it that God has put in your heart to pray for? If at this point there's not someone in your mind, I've prayed already that by the time we get done here today, there'll be somebody that the Lord has brought to your mind. That you walk out of this place today with at least one person on your mind, on your heart, that it is your desire, it is your prayer to God, that they may be saved. Because that's the greatest need anyone has. So how should we pray? What is evangelistic prayer? There are some specific things that we see in, in the New Testament that we can be praying for. Flip to Matthew chapter 9 with me. Matthew chapter 9. The first one is this. Just simply pray for more workers. Pray for laborers. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them 
because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This is sort of a typical day in the ministry of Jesus, this healing, this teaching uh, and preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. He healed every disease among the people. He was casting out demons and doing all this miraculous work. And it's in the midst of this work that Jesus stops and he looks at the multitudes around him, all the people gathered. And scripture tells us that he was moved with compassion for them. He was moved with compassion because they were like sheep having no shepherd. As we know, Jesus from John 10 is the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. That shepherd saw the sheep without a shepherd and he had compassion for them. And notice this progression, though. It was, he was ministering, then he saw the crowds, then he felt compassion. Now, often... People wait for some uh, revelation from God, some miraculous move in their emotions before they take the initiative to go and serve and minister and share the gospel. But in this case, when we observe Jesus, he was already ministering to the people. And it's as he was among the people that he saw them and then he was moved with compassion. So if you don't feel a particular compassion in your heart for the lost, you don't feel a, a sense of burden for those who need to hear and, who, and to believe, my instruction to you is simply this. Follow the example of Jesus and just go, just go ahead and get out there and start ministering anyway. And I'll tell you from my own experience, it's when you become the minister, when you become the one who is serving in someone else's life, in someone's family, or even in this congregation, it's when you're ministering that that compassion and that burden grows. It's when you're already among the people that you see the real need that's there, and God gives you that compassion and that desire to meet that need. But it was as Jesus was moved with compassion that he turned to his disciples and he said, the harvest is plentiful. There's, listen, y'all know this, there's plenty of sinners. There's plenty of lost people who need to be saved. The harvest is plentiful. Why don't we see the harvest being brought in? Because the laborers are few. So Jesus gives us a therefore. The therefore is to pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. It's His harvest anyway. Pray the Lord of the harvest that He would send out laborers into His harvest. It ought to be on the prayer list of every Christian and every church. Lord, send more laborers into the harvest. Send more workers. There are lost people around us. There are people who need to hear the gospel. Those who will otherwise go to hell and be punished for their sins for all of eternity if they don't hear and believe. Lord, send more laborers. Send workers. And it was compassion that moved him to pray that way. And to, to teach his disciples to pray that way. 
But I want you to notice something that I think I've pointed out to you before. Those who prayed for more workers, those he was commanding to pray, were the first workers who were sent. Look there at verse, verse 1 of chapter 10. Just forget there's a chapter division there for a second. He says in verse 38 of 9, he says, Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then chapter 10, verse 1, And when he had called his twelve disciples to them, to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. And then we get all their names in verse seven, he's, or verse uh, 5. He says, The twelve, these twelve, he sent out and commanded them, saying, Don't go to the way of the Gentiles, don't enter the city of Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So Jesus commanded them to pray for laborers. And then he said, oh, by the way, go. So you, my, my charge to you is pray for laborers, pray for workers, that God will send more people out into the harvest to share the gospel, to bring in the harvest, His harvest. But be prepared to be the first answer to your own prayer. Be prepared to be the first answer to your own prayer. And it's in praying often that God conditions our heart and moves us to take that step out into the harvest to work. So be around lost people. Minister to them. Be moved with compassion. And keep praying for more laborers. The second thing we pray for is for boldness. Go to Ephesians chapter 6 just for a moment. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, we see Paul praying for just that, for boldness. Verse 17, he finishes up this subject of the, the armor of God, and he says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Verse 18, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Verse 19, And for me, while you're praying, guys, pray for me. That utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul prays for boldness. Now it encourages me that the Apostle Paul asked people to pray that he would be bold. Because apparently he had already been bold at some point because he's in prison. He's in chains for preaching the gospel. And he says, pray that I will be bold. So apparently he had been bold, but he recognizes his con continual, constant dependence on God through prayer. Even if we have a bold moment, and any of you who share the gospel know this, you can have a moment where God gives you that boldness and you step up and you share, you proclaim the good news to a person. And whether they believe or not, you walk away and it's exhilarating, right? Just the thrill of having shared the good news about Jesus with a lost person. And wouldn't it be nice if that thrill, that boldness just carried you on to the next encounter? 
Wouldn't it just be great if that boldness incrementally increased over time? And maybe you're more spiritual than I am, but for me, I can have a bold moment and share the gospel, and then a day later, I have another opportunity, and it tanks. And I need that boldness over and over and over again. My dependence on God, my need for the help of the Holy Spirit, my need for prayer is constant. It's daily. We have to be continually praying for boldness, and Paul recognized that. No matter how bold he had been to proclaim the gospel, even to be in chains at this point, he knew he needed the prayers of God's people for him to be bold. On Wednesdays, we've been working our way slowly through the, the book of Acts. And over the last few chapters, you look at 16 and 17 and, and entering into 18, you see this second missionary journey of Paul. And Silas and Timothy who are along with him. And he goes into a city. He goes to the synagogue. He preaches. Some Jews get saved. Some prominent women get saved. Some other Jews get mad and uh, run him out of town. He goes to the next town. He starts in Philippi. Then he goes to Thessalonica. He goes to Berea, to Athens. And all along the way, it's preach the gospel. Some people get saved. Other people get mad. They run him out of town. And even in Berea, where nobody got mad, the people who were mad in the last town traveled with him and chased him out of that town too. And we get to chapter 18, and Paul is there in Corinth, and he's, he's beginning to do his ministry there, just as he has, like he's been doing in every town. And the Bible says that the, that the Lord came to Paul in a vision at night. What do you think God would say to the Apostle Paul in the middle of a missionary journey? Wow, you're doing great work, Paul. Keep it up. No, the Lord came to him, and the first thing he said was this. He says, do not be afraid. What do you mean be afraid? He's the Apostle Paul. He's going to call down blindness on somebody, cast a demon out of somebody else, get annoyed and just start preaching. I mean, he's bold. If anybody's bold, if anybody has courage, it's Paul. But after being run out of one town after another, in one prison to the next, beating to the next beating, I imagine that even the Apostle Paul had his moments of fear and trembling. And so the Lord comes to Paul in Acts 18 and he says, Do not be afraid, but speak. And do not keep silent, for I am with you. Friends, we need God's help to be bold enough to have the courage to open our mouths and speak the gospel. And our greatest resource, just, in everything, just as in everything else we've said over these weeks, our greatest resource is prayer. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need to pray for boldness. Hey, don't just pray it for yourself. Don't just pray it for your church. Pray it for the preacher too. Paul asked his, his, his listeners to pray for him. So can I just go ahead and make a personal request here? Will you pray for me? Will you pray for your pastor? That God will give me boldness to preach the word of God? Thank you. We need to pray for boldness. Third, you can be flipping to Colossians chapter 4. You need to pray for opportunities. Pray for opportunities. We pray for more workers. We pray for boldness. And we pray for opportunities. In Colossians chapter 4, Paul says this in verse 2. He says, continue earnestly in prayer, 
being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. There you go. I preached a thanksgiving sermon today, guys. You're welcome. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, also praying for us. Paul likes to ask for prayer. That's a good thing. What are we going to pray for? He says that God would open to us a door for the word. To speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Paul wants the Colossians to pray for him and to pray specifically that God will open doors, that he will grant him opportunities to speak the gospel. You, just as I said before, we can't change people's hearts. We can't make people receptive to the message of the gospel. But God can. And when you pray for opportunities, don't be surprised when he gives you opportunities. Now, if you pray for opportunities generally, which is a good way to pray for opportunities, um, that prayer will probably be answered by your eyes simply being open to the opportunities that are already in front of you. Because you're God's child. You're on His mission. He doesn't put people in your path just for kicks. There aren't people that you see every day or every other day or every week routinely and have built some kind of relationship with just for the fun of it. So pray for opportunities. And when you pray generally for opportunities, God will probably just start opening your eyes to the opportunities who are already before you. That, that waiter that you see when you go to the same restaurant the same night every week and order the same thing. You know, some of you have that routine. Um, he's there for a reason. That's an opportunity. I'll tell you a new one uh, that I've found is the gas pump. You know what? If you talk to somebody who's on the other side of the pump, they're not going to stop pumping their gas and pull to another one. And you know, the easy thing to do is just to step this way and keep the pump between you so you don't have to see each other, right? Can we just get a show of hands who does that? Okay, yeah. So that's, that's, our, that's the easy thing to do. That's my nature, is to push the buttons, the person standing here, so I'm going to step just enough this way so we don't have to make eye contact, I pump my gas and keep going. But you know what? Keep some gospel tracks in your car. Carry one with you to the pump. Park intentionally next to another person. Hey, did you get one of these? Uh, no, what is it? Let me tell you. The door is open to share the gospel. You do whatever God puts in front of you, okay? That's just my experience. But when you pray for opportunities, God will open your eyes and show you the opportunities that are before you. But let me tell you this, not just praying generally, but if you have someone in your mind that you want to see saved and you start praying for an opportunity to, to share with that person specifically, you're going to start seeing that person differently. You see, I've got three people right now that I'm praying for. Lord, open up the door, give me an opportunity to share the gospel. And now every time I see those people, it's not just the, hey, how's it going? And they walk by. Or if I'm at home and I see them up the road pulling in their driveway, I don't just say, oh, you know, they're home from work. I actually see that person and I think, you know what, I need to pray for them right now. Every time you see that person, it's a reminder to pray. Every time you have a conversation, you're looking for that opportunity. When you pray specifically for people, you start to see people differently. So pray for opportunities. Can I give you just a little supplemental training before we go this morning? 
We're close enough in the epistles already. Go to Romans chapter 6. Romans 6. If you're not sure about sharing the gospel with somebody, you know, I don't know what to say. Um, the easy answer is this. Just say what the Bible says. Let God's word do its work. God has said that his word will not return empty. It will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent out. And so if you just tell people what the Bible says, it's not up to you what the result is. It's not up to you how they respond. It's just your job to tell the truth. Just to speak the truth. And you, you can use different methods or go to different passages to share the gospel. The gospel is in all the Bible. But if you just want one verse that you can use to share the gospel, my suggestion is Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23 is an easy verse just to use if you just want to put one verse in your memory to share with somebody who is lost. Because if you really start praying for opportunities today and throughout this week, you're going to have opportunities, so you need to know where to go, right? You need to know what to say when the opportunity presents itself. And Romans 6.23, I think, is an easy way just to share the gospel with one verse because it shows us the problem and it shows us the solution. Two steps. Can you all remember two steps? You've got the problem and you've got the solution. Here's what Romans 6.23 says. For the wages of sin is what? Death. Conjunction. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death. That's the problem. The gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the solution. People have to know what the problem is. I listened to a, a, a sermon this week, and when I started listening, I didn't realize who it was, but it's actually your brother, Nancy, John Vaughn. And uh, he, he, he said in this, this message, and uh, he referenced 1 Timothy 4, or 1 Timothy 3, um, when Paul is given instructions about the Word of God. And he kind of summarized that passage this way. He said, the Word of God does these things. It shows people what's wrong. It shows people what's right. It shows them how to get right, and it shows them how to stay right. What's wrong, what's right, how to get right, and how to stay right. You know what? You do have to tell people what's wrong. We like to just jump to the good news. Jesus, Jesus died for you. God loves you. But you have to start with what's wrong. You have to start with the problem. It's not hard to find problems. I guarantee you. I would go as far almost to promise you that when you sit around the table this Thursday at Thanksgiving, somebody's going to complain about how something went in the election a couple weeks ago. Somebody's going to make some complaint about something that's going on in the world. Uh, maybe every family has at least one. Do you all have at least one in your family, a complainer or somebody that's going to point out the problems in the world around the table? Uh, you know, I'm thankful for this, but doggone it, if they don't, well, never mind. <laughs> you know, we won't go there. We, we know you know who I'm talking about. But you know what? You can take the problem and you can find that the root of that problem is always sin. It's always sin. The problem in your life, the problem in your family's lives isn't the, the wayward child. It isn't the financial struggle. It isn't the sickness. The, the biggest problem boils down to this, and the biggest problem is sin. And so the problem is that the wages for sin, because we're all sinners, and I don't know that I've known anybody who ever denied that they were a sinner. The problem for every sinner is that the wages, the payment, the recompense for sin is death. That's why the world is broken. 
That's why we have problems. That's why everything is the way that it is right now is because of sin and the punishment. The wages for it is death. But it's not just physical death in this life, but it is that eternal death in the lake of fire. That's the problem. And if you're going to share the good news, you have to share the bad news first. If I went to the doctor and he said, hey, I got great news for you. There's a heart available. We can do the procedure immediately. I would say, what are you talking about? That's not good news. I don't need a heart. But if he told me first, hey, your heart's going to quit next week. But we've got one available and we can do the procedure right now. Then it's good news. If I tell you that God loves you and Jesus died for you, that's great news. Okay, so what? Oh, let me go back to the beginning. You're a sinner. We've all sinned, you and I. We deserve God's punishment. And the Bible is clear that that's death. Eternal death. But there's a solution. God did love you so much that He sent His own Son to die for you and to take the punishment for your sin. So while the wages of sin is death, what you deserve is death because of your sin. God's gift... Oh, not, not, not what you can earn from God, but God's gift is eternal life. It's forgiveness. It's a relationship with Him. It's fellowship with Him. It's eternity with Him. How does He do that? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus took your punishment. Jesus paid your fine. He bore the wrath that you deserve. Now all you have to do is respond to that. Turn away from your sin and put your trust in Jesus. If you put your trust in Jesus, God will give you that free gift of eternal life, forgiveness of sins. You can tell people that. You can tell people that. You know who needs to hear it. Pray for more workers, yes. But plan on being the first answer to your prayer. Pray for boldness. Because it's easy to fall into the trap of the fear of man, what people think of me. So pray that God will give you boldness. And pray for opportunities. And you can share the gospel, whatever method you want to, as long as it's faithful to the scriptures. But if you just want one verse that pretty much tells the story, Romans 6.23 will do that. Commit it to memory. And tell somebody about Jesus. Now, has God brought someone to your mind this morning? that you need to be praying for? Is there somebody in your mind right now that you know needs to hear the gospel and needs to be saved? What are you going to do? The first thing you need to do is pray. So I think we need to do that right now. We're not going to sing a hymn. We're just going to bow our heads right where we are. And I want you to spend a few minutes right now in silence praying for whoever God just put in your mind that they would be saved. And then pray for yourself that you'll have boldness and opportunities to be His witness. Bow your heads with me now. Father, Your Word is true. It will accomplish its purposes. We only have to tell it. 
Lord, I pray that in this time of quiet, this time of prayer, that your spirit would work in the hearts of your people. Put in their minds, in their hearts, those whom they need to be praying for, that they may be saved. And may we pray for ourselves that you will give us boldness and courage to share this gospel and provide opportunities for us. Open a door for your word. I ask it in Jesus' name.